Well, if you would, let's go James chapter 1. Now, this is Orphan Sunday, um, and I, I do, I, I want to thank Rod for giving me the, the opportunity to just share with you our story of fostering and adopting and where God is leading our family to speak about, speak out about the call that God has given to us as believers, all believers, and all of that is for the sake of His glory and to be a vivid picture that God is the Father to the fatherless. So before we jump into James 1, um, I'm going to give us some statistics so we can put some skin on the orphan crisis that we face. Then I'm going to propose a question for all of us to be thinking about. Here, here we go. According to the United Nations Children Fund, there are an estimated to be between 143 to 210 million orphans worldwide. That is a staggering number, a staggering number, okay? Now, while those numbers are mind-blowing, those numbers do not include children um, whose living parents have abandoned them to institutions or life on the street. That number does not reflect sold or trafficked children, and most Middle Eastern Islamic nations do not report orphan statistics at all, at all. So we really have no way of knowing how many children may be orphans. So 210 million, that is as low of a number as we can get. It is much, much greater than that. Now let's get a little closer to home. Because in the United States, there's roughly a half a million children in the foster care system. 500,000 kids in the foster care system at a given time inside the United States with 130,000 of them are immediately adoptable. Immediately. 130,000 of them. And there are nearly 225 million professing Christian adults in the United States. So, there is no reason that all of these kids can't be placed immediately in the care of a loving Christian home. 130,000 225 million professing Christians um, who can show them the love of Christ as they become adults. Now, let's get even closer. If you look up here at this chart, okay, we're going to kind of run through this. And this is going to get really close to home here. So in from June uh, 2018 to July 2019, okay, in the foster care system, all right, in Missouri, in Missouri alone, there was 20,142 kids just in the system. In, just in, that's just in the state of Missouri. And then you had 6,787 of them went out of the system. So whatever that was, they were adopted, guardianship, okay, all, all kinds of different things. Um, they were just moved out of the system. So that is, in that year, there was 13,355 kids who just stayed in the system. Nothing happened for them that year. Now let's get real close. Lincoln and Pike County. Last year, 242 kids entered the system. Just in Pike County and Lincoln County. 79 of them left the system. 79. 
So that means there was 163 kids who just remained in there with no permanent home. Bouncing around, who knows, maybe five, six, seven, eight times. The girls we took in, eight different homes. It's crazy. There can be no stability in in that. So here's what happened. Out of those 79 kids, okay, last year, 22 of them were adopted. 12 of them gained, uh, people gained guardianship on them. That's, that's like you, you, you don't actually adopt them, but you are their guardian. You can make the decisions for them. Um, 35 of them reunited with, with the bio family, which is good. Um, and then four of them um, weren't adopted. They just aged out. Aged out. Now, let, let's think about that for a second. Four of them just said, you're too old, you're out of the system, no family has taken you in, your, your original family has probably not shown you anything how to function in this world, and then they just say, here you go, go be an adult. That's not going to work. That's not going to work at all. L- let me ask a question before we get into James 1 here. How do we, in our context, live out God's heart and continue the church's history for orphan care how do we do this because see in, in jesus's day the romans they had a they had a trash heap where, where they would just leave unwanted children if you didn't want a kid you just took them to the trash and you sat them out for people to just come by and pick them up if you wanted a kid you go by there and you, you grab one up now here, here's the sad part about that um when they would just pick them pick them pick them up most of them would be used as slaves gladiators and prostitutes but the early church was known for caring for abandoned children and valuing their lives. For valuing their lives. Seeing that, that, that there is some worth in them, that we need to train them up. Because look, here's the thing, and this is what I thought about um, as I was looking at this. We, we like to get all upset at the new generation, how... They're, we're, we're dis, you know, people are disrespectful. These kids are just, they, they've just got all these issues. Well, we're not investing time in them. We're just setting them out and say, here, go be adults. They don't, they don't know how to be adults. And that's why we have to value their lives, move into their lives, and show them how to do this in a loving and caring way. But most importantly, it's about Christ, and we're going to see that. So James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We are going to look at verse 27, and we're just going to kind of pick this apart here before we see what we can do as believers. James 1 verse 27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world now this verse is talking about orphans and widows together okay but for today for being orphan sunday we're going to kind of just pull out the orphan thing but this can all go together um, with orphans and widows so notice the purpose of james 127 james is not giving us a command you see this he says religion that is pure and undefiled before god the father is this James is not giving us a command. He is describing something. 
He is describing, he is saying, look at what true religion looks like. So he, he's not, he's not com- giving us a command. He's describing what true Christianity, what true religion actually looks like. So what James is saying, this is not a cry for a humanitarian effort. This is a gospel issue. Orphan ministry, orphan care, um, fostering adoption. This is not James saying, hey, we just need to rally up and do this for this big humanitarian effort so we can rescue these kids. He's not saying that. This is a gospel issue. It is gospel-centered. Listen to Galatians 4, uh, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. As Christians, we care for orphans not just because it's the right thing to do. We don't. We don't do this because it's the right thing to do, but because we understand that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. And every single one of us at one point was spiritual orphans. So before you came to Christ, you were to God. Before you came to Christ, you were that troubled kid that could possibly light his couch on fire. Okay? But he didn't care. He didn't care. He still ran after you. He still ran after you. And we're going to talk about that. And we want to extend the love that we have received from God. So taking care of orphans, fostering, adopting is the most vivid picture the world will see of the gospel. It is the most vivid. And and, and the the reason why I'm, I'm saying that is because we have lived this out and this is crazy. And it is amazing how the gospel is just shown every single day in your home. It is amazing how, how these kids, um, which we're going to see here in a little bit, will just, not only is it like, hey, I, I have done you a favor. No, they have actually done us a favor. More. They have done us more of a favor than we have actually done them for understanding our own hearts in this. So taking care of orphans is a vivid picture of the gospel um first john 3 1 says see what kind of love the father has given us that we should be called children of god now let's look at the big picture of james 127 james says this religion that is pure and undefiled before god is and then he, remember he goes on to explain this he goes on to describe what uh, true christianity is now why does he say this Because in verse 26, what James is dealing with is counterfeit Christianity. That's the the context of James saying this verse in 127. The context is false Christianity or counterfeit Christianity. Listen to uh, verse 26. It says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless is worthless. So James is saying, you say you're a Christian, but your speech says otherwise, so let me tell you what real faith is. That's what he is saying. And what real faith is, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That's what James is saying. Now, what does it mean to visit orphans? This is where it just absolutely blew my mind away. Here's what it means to visit orphans. Because 
the, the ESV here, um, I don't think the word visit is the best word to use. The Holman translates it look after. I think that's a little better. The New Living translated, translates it as caring for. I think that's a lot better. Now, when you get into the Greek word, I, I, I do not know Greek, but as I'm reading this, the Greek word for visit, you ready for this? Is everyone ready for this? <laughs> the Greek word for visit is the same word used for bishop or overseer. That is where it just blew my mind. So, in other words, James is saying, don't just give them things and treat them nice. He is saying, shepherd them. Shepherd the orphans. That is the main goal here. And, we're, and I'm going to... I'm going to explain this a little bit when I get to our story. But it's, it's crazy how we see that us taking them in and clothing them and feeding them is the secondary thing. The, the primary thing was them hearing the gospel. So, in other words, we are to care for orphans the same way the elders are to care for their flock. That, that, that puts a little more pressure on it. And that's a little more deeper than just this idea of of visiting we go and visit our family and then you know for a few hours and then we just wave by and we go home that's not what this is saying this is not saying just go to them help them and then go away it's saying no invest your life in them invest your life in them so then it says visit them in their affliction visit them in their affliction Orphans and widows were the most destitute people on earth. When James wrote this, okay, and and this is why James says true faith is caring for orphans and widows, all right? Listen to this. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son. So here's what we know. God's not saying He loves the world. He is saying He so loved the world. He so loved it. He is showing us that there is this volume of love that he is giving us. So God so loves us that he moved towards us. We did not move towards him. He moved towards us. God so loved the world that he looked down at broken, sinful people and moved towards us. You realize that? He's looking down at us. He sees a broken world. He sees broken people who, why would he ever move towards us? That's crazy. But he does. He sees the brokenness of the world and he moves towards us. Now, I don't believe that James is saying, um, you're not a Christian if you're not fostering or adopting or taking in kids to your home. We need to make that clear. I do not believe James is saying that. I do not believe James is saying, if you are not fostering or adopting, you're not a Christian. He's not saying that. But what I do believe 100% that James is saying is this in verse 27. Um, He is telling us that true Christianity is when we see hard and broken people in this world and out of our love for Christ and them, we move towards those things. That we move towards them. We see the hardness of this world, the brokenness of this world, and we move towards it. That's the gospel. That is what God has done for us. Now, that's not what we do, right? That's not what we do. 
We do everything we can not to live on that side of the tracks. We do. We don't want to deal with the people that we see on the 5 o'clock news. We don't. And we teach our kids that, right? You, you need to do this. You need to get a good job so, so you don't have to maybe live here or, or do these things. But, but here's what we have to understand. James does not say truth faith is listening to a good sermon. He doesn't say that. James does not say true faith is reading your Bible every day, but true faith is seeing the hard and broken things that our flesh say stay far away from, and we move towards those things. What is that? See, you know what? I am actually thankful that all of this, the phone, and all of this stuff is happening. You want to know why? Because this is the life of fostering and adopting. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm serious. And we laugh about that. It's true. This is the hardest thing you will ever do. Ever. But it is the most beautiful thing. I have never in my life learned so much about my own heart and how wicked I could be at times in my thoughts. And to think that the God of the universe hasn't killed me yet and has adopted me in and loves me unconditionally and says, guess what? You're not going anywhere. That's what this is about. This is about the gospel. This whole idea of not, um, not wanting our... Because the real reason is we just, we just don't want our normal busted up. We don't. We, we, we've got this idea. We've got this cool little rule, routine that we do. And let me tell you what, when something comes in and destroys it, man, it, it's not good. And, and, and we want to just run from these things. And that is exactly how, how our story began. See, the story of us, how, how we got the twins, was Bryce and I, we, we decided that we wanted to foster um, with the intent of adopting. So that's where we got started. So we made some phone calls because we understand, you know, there's paperwork to be done. You got to make phone calls. You, you can't just call a number and they drop a kid off the next day. That's, that's not how this works. About three months went by, okay, because we're waiting for the training, okay, that we need to take to, to do this. We're waiting for this and nothing. No phone calls, no trainings, no nothing. So Bryce calls them back and says, hey, we want to get this started. You need to tell us of some trainings that we can go to so we can get this, get this going because this takes a while to get this training. And she said, okay. So it was about a week after that, we get a knock on our door from the lady up the hill who has the twins and says, hey, um, I know you guys are looking to foster and adopt we have some girls. I'm, I'm, I'm. They're currently in our home. I'm not going to actually adopt them. Do you want them? We can get this. We can get this started. And we're like, <laughs> too quick, right? Not your plan, God. My plan, please. So we wanted, in our picture, we wanted a, a younger boy to be with Lincoln. 
That's what we wanted. That was the picture, the envision of uh, us deciding we're going to play God with this. That's what we wanted. And when we heard 12-year-old twin girls, no, no, who, who have autism, were like, no, that's not for us. And then it was about two months later, that just broke us. Why did we say no? This is the dumbest thing in the world. We want to do this. And God says, here you go. And we go, no, absolutely not. That is not the agenda. That is not what we had in mind. So as we're driving to church, I said, I think we made a mistake. We should take those girls. Price is like, I've been thinking the same thing. So we drive to church, and this is where we left it. I'll make a phone call Monday. Okay. So she makes a phone call Monday and says, you have to get this going. You have to find us um, a place to get this training done. We've got to get this moving. And the lady goes, well, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. Do you have anyone in mind? Well, actually we do. So we gave them the twins' name. She said, okay, give me your social security numbers. Okay. So Bryce gives her our social security numbers. She calls back three hours later and says, when do you want them? We call on a Monday. They're in our home on Sunday. <laughs> We're panicking. We know it's the right thing to do. We're not going to say no, okay? But we are. We're panicking. This is crazy. How are we going to do this? All right? They come into our home, and I I just want to say this for anyone who is thinking of this, of doing this. They are not going to come into your home and say, say, thank you, Mr. and Mrs., um, for everything that you're doing for me. I, I am so grateful that you are taking us in and and doing all this for us. No. They're going to look at you and they're going to go, I hate you. You think I'm crazy. Because you have to understand, these kids have been ripped out of their home. They And, and here's the, the mind-boggling part of it. They don't see anything wrong with what was going on. Right? Let's say you, you're looking at your own world and you're like, I, I'm, I'm good with this. I don't, I, I, the, the way I'm living my life, there's, there's nothing wrong with this. And somebody comes along and says, nope, nope, that is wrong. You're coming with me and we're going to change everything about you and what you're doing. You're going to be pretty darn angry yourself. So the one thing we had to kind of get over was they're going to be angry and I kind of understand. I kind of want to get angry with them for what's going on. So we have to understand that. Now, Here's the main picture of all of this. The big picture is redemption. And and, and we have to understand that because one of the questions, one of the questions that we kept getting over and over for a while from the twins was this. Why would God do this to us? Because they come into our home, okay? They come into our home, not grateful, mad at the world, 
All they know is Christians are cuckoo. That's what their parents told them. That's what they told us. And I'm thinking, oh, Lordy, lady, you have landed in the wrong home. From the first night, we, we gave up our master bedroom to put all three girls in there until we could figure out how we were going to do the, the room situation. And then I go in first night to pray with them and they're rolling around on the floor moaning while I'm praying. That's a little terrifying. See, we live in this broken world. But here's the crazy part. After a while, coming to church, they did not want to go to church. They did not want to deal with Christians because that's what their family told them. Then after a while, why would God do this to us? Why would God do this to us? You know what? I think I actually might know. Because here's what I do know. One of my favorite, one of my favorite Old Testament books is the book of Ruth. And if it wasn't for God killing Naomi's husband and her two sons, we would be in deep, deep trouble. Because if God didn't create a famine to move them to Moab in order for her husband and her two sons to die so Naomi could bring Ruth back to the promised land so that she could marry Boaz. If that doesn't happen, guess what? We don't get King David. And if we don't get King David, we don't get Jesus. So this is about redemption. So is foster care a terrible thing? Yes, do I want any child to go through to go through that? Absolutely not. But let me tell you what. Praise be to Jesus that there is foster care and the things that do happen because guess what? They would have never heard the gospel. Cuz I asked them. I said, "Lizzie, she's like, why are we here? Why did would God do this to us if he's a loving God? Would you have ever heard the gospel at your house?" No, I would not. My parents hate Christians. I said, well, maybe you're here because God loves you enough to hear the gospel. Lizzie's saved. There is no doubt in our mind. This is a little girl who came into our home and had a serious anger problem. And I talked to her. She told me, she said, I want you to tell him that, that I had an anger issue. Bad anger issue, like over silly, stupid stuff. You need to take a shower and just go crazy and want to hit us. But let me tell you what, after months of sitting at the dinner table and taking every little opportunity to just ingest the gospel here and there on a small little, you know, nothing big theological, just just little stuff over and over and over again. We finally come to dinner one night and Bryce looks at Lizzie and goes, Lizzie, what's wrong? What's going on? What's going on with you? Last week, you've, you've just been different. She goes, and, and said it, this is the funniest thing, just so nonchalantly, like it's no big deal. Oh, I got Jesus in my heart. I'm a Christian now and I want to get baptized. We're just, everybody's just looking at her like, what? Yeah, 
I want to get baptized. Why do you want to get baptized? Because I want everybody at that church to know I'm a Christian. Now, here's the crazy thing. That's not just lip service because we have seen an angry girl's life completely change. That doesn't mean she doesn't have setbacks. Yeah. But the way she handles her anger now is amazing. It's mind-blowing. It's better than most adults. But the gospel in all of this, seeing that God is the Father to the fatherless, that He does rescue His children. God was running after Lizzie, running after her. And the only way He could do it was like in the book of Ruth. I have got to get you pulled from your home. I have got to get you to move from eight different homes and do all of this stuff so you can eventually land here. And I'm not saying that we are the centerpiece that they had to get to our house so they could be saved. No, that's not what this is. What it was is, is God loving her enough to usher her in. We did not rescue them. God rescued them in His love. We have to remember that. We have to remember that. What can we do as believers? What can we do as believers? First, some of you can take some kids in. I'm just going to say it. Some of you can get the process started and just have kids come into your home. You just have to do it. (laughs) Because you... Trust me, you will do a very good job of talking yourself out of it. Listen to this quote by Jason Johnson. Our world was too small, our faith too shallow, our theology too narrow, our dreams too temporary, our family too isolated, our Christianity too comfortable, our prayers too selfish. I'm convinced we didn't rescue a little girl from her situation as much as this little girl rescued us from ours. She pulled back the veil of the world around us and showed us a broken side of it we had all but isolated ourselves from. My heart just sank when I read that. Now, here's how we isolate ourselves and. The Missouri Baptist Home, wonderful organization, okay? Thank God for them, because here's what they do. They will take in, like, um, teen pregnancies. They talk to these um, girls, um, uh, kids that have been trafficked and, and been rescued and come out. They, they, they go in there and they, they talk to them, okay? Wonderful thing, okay? But it does sadden me that they exist, that the Missouri Baptist Home actually exists It saddens me. And here's why. Because most of the kids that come in there are like in the foster care system. And the reason, now Missouri Baptist Home is a group home, okay? So what happens is these kids get taken from their home for for whatever reason, okay? They go into the foster care system. They're either um, troubled, got a lot of issues. People are just like, "Eh, I don't want to deal with that, okay? Because they literally might set your couch on fire. Like, that's no joke. That happens. So when you have kids like that and they bounce around because people will have them, they'll be like, nope, can't handle them. So they come in, they move them to another home, and then, nope, can't handle them, and they just keep going. And then all of a sudden, they end up at a group home. 
Because nobody will take them in. Nobody wants to deal with them. So as Bryce was talking to her and getting information, she said, can, can I ask you a question? She said, this is what she said. If the church stepped up and took more kids in, would there be a need for group homes? She goes, absolutely not. We're just like, whoa. So the Missouri Baptist home exists, and it is a wonderful thing. They're doing an amazing job. But even the people there are like, we shouldn't exist. We shouldn't have these kids here. Because you get a bunch of kids who are troubled, have got a lot of issues, and you just throw them all together, that is a recipe for disaster. They need to be separated from each other, put into a loving home so that they can be taught and have the gospel shared to them. That's what they need. That's what they need. Now, are some of them going to be extremely troubled? Are some of them going to make you pull your hair out and think there is no way in this world I could ever do this? Absolutely. We sat in bed many of nights and said we can't do this and thank god in his grace and his wisdom that the days where i was like i can't do this anymore she was cool with it and the day she was like i can't do this anymore i'm like this ain't no big deal just back and forth but we had to remind ourselves over and over and over again, God is not going to give on, up on us. And we would tell these little girls every day when they would do something just crazy. Because they knew, they knew that when they were bad, they got shipped away. And we would look them in their eye and say, listen to me, you are going nowhere. You're going nowhere. There is nothing you could do, nothing, to make you leave this home. Nothing. You couldn't be bad enough. And then Bryce and I would sit down and go, okay, we told them that. <laughs> can, can we do that? Because in our head, there, we were thinking there could be some things. And don't get me wrong, there were some things that made us think, man, for safety. And we said, nope, we can do this. We can put the right things into place to protect people. So that is... One of the things that we, you can, some of you can just get this ball going and get some kids into your home and just let them wreck your world and it's going to be beautiful because that's what they'll do. It's just a new normal. That's all it is. We had a normal. They had a normal. They were two totally different things and now we've just kind of, now, now we've got this new normal. And before you know it, they'll be just like your kids. We should be just as passionate about orphan ministry and adoption as we are about anti-abortion protests. Because the church is, praise God. Praise God that the church just denounces abortion, just hates abortion, and will speak out against it. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing, but it is one thing to tell someone abortion is wrong, but it is another to care for the children that they produce because they chose not to abort. It's a totally different thing. 
Secondly, you can get certified for respite care. And what that is, is when a foster family needs someone to watch the foster kids, maybe somebody's having surgery or they're going out of state and they they can't take them for whatever reason, that's where people that sign up for respite and take those classes would step in. So you would have kids for maybe uh, the day, maybe one night, a weekend. You get paid for it. (laughs) Not much, but you get paid for it. They put you on a list for that. Um, But that is one short opportunity to be able to share the gospel with these kids. So another thing the church can do, you can start talking about adoption fund for members. Okay, Take all the financial stress off families that want to adopt from other countries or private agencies here in the United States. Um, Or those those funds can, can pay for foster care training. You know, to get certified to do these things. Um, now, he- here's what you have to understand. If you go through the foster care system, the state, it's free. It doesn't cost you a thing. We did not pay any attorney fees at all to get these kids. Now, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you more food. It's going to cost you more clothing. Um, your water bill is going to go up. Your electric bill is going to go up. I mean, everything, Christmas bill is going to go up, birthday. It's just, you're, it's going to cost you. But the initial cost of hiring a lawyer so you can get all this stuff done, it, it doesn't cost you anything if you go through the state. Now, here, here's why we say a fund for people who want to adopt overseas or private adoptions. Because even though it's free to go through the state, we don't want to dictate with people where they go to get their kids. And and here's why. Because I do believe in the sovereignty of God. That is why. And the reason I believe we felt so strongly about the foster care system because God knew the twins were supposed to be in our home and they were in the foster care system. So maybe... Maybe somebody is passionate, okay, for overseas adoption because God has in mind a kid overseas that is supposed to be in their home. We have to trust the sovereignty of God. So just because it's free doesn't mean we need to go that route. Now, you can start talking about how your church will walk alongside these families um, that are stepping up to foster and or adopt for many years as they go through this process. Meals, transportation, to and from visits, uh, appointments, babysitting, biblical counseling, and, and clothing. Okay, Remember, these parents just took on a child that has been ripped from their home. We had an issue one time. Thank you, Charity, for five-minute call. Be at your house in five minutes. I need you to talk to a little girl because I'm losing my mind. Five minutes. Most people will be like, yeah, my house, you know. No, thank you for that. Now, all of those things take time, okay? They really do. They take time to get done, to work through Um, if you want to do those things. But what can we do now? What can we do right now that is just simple and easy? How can we get invested in fostering and adoption just right now? Okay, here. Meals for Pike County foster families. 
in the form of a restaurant gift card. Purchase a gift card in the month of November to help provide a meal for a foster family in the month of December. Let me tell you what, how huge that is. Because when they came into our home, it was like, how, how, do, we, how do we feed all of these kids right now? So when you're at dinner time, you're going through, you know, a box and a half of spaghetti, a loaf and a half of bread. That's a lot of food. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? And it's just stressful. You're, you're dealing with these kids. You're dealing with their issues. Now you've got to stop and make dinner. So that, that is one way we can invest. That is, foster families love that, okay? So we all know how busy the holidays are. Imagine adding bio-parent visits, caseworker visits, um, counseling to that alongside of a couple extra children to care for. Um, let's provide a stress-free meal to every foster family in Pike County in the month of December. Bryce and I would love to collect um, those cards in November and provide them to the Pike County caseworkers to be delivered at their December family visits. Also, every foster home is required to have specific things in place in their home before a child can move in. They must have working smoke alarms, carbon monoxide detectors, and an ABC fire extinguisher at least five pounds or um, at least five pounds capacity. Also, all firearms and ammo must be locked up in two separate places, um, as well as medication, including over-the-counter medication. Your ibuprofen has to be locked up. So those are just some things we can do. We can provide those things for them. Adults are needed right now to help supervise bio-parent visits. You want to see some eye-opening stuff. Go supervise that and just see how the kids and their real parents communicate together if you want your heart to explode for them just just do that a couple times because it's wild so adults are needed for bio parent visits our state caseworkers have caseloads much bigger than they should have they are called out at all hours of the night they simply cannot supervise every visit this would be a great way to make a relationship with a foster family and a bio struggling parent believe it or not we've done that we are in contact, and we don't have to be. This is a closed adoption, okay? The birth certificate says that they were born to us. There is no record anymore of them and their bio parents. But we have stayed in contact with the mom, and we are hoping one day that somehow we can mend this for the sake of the gospel. Liz, Lizzie wants to share the gospel with her mom. Even though they are our kids, listen, it's not about us or them and and us as as a family as much as it is about the gospel and and just mending somehow that relationship with their real parents. That would be amazing. It's not going to hurt my feelings. It's not. I want that relationship with them mended. Also, they need mentors. Um, if, if you can't bring a kid into your home, and, and once again, remember, James is not saying you have to bring a kid into your home. And don't think that's what I'm saying either, because you don't. You don't. You don't have to do that. Um, but if you don't think you can bring a kid into your home, well, this is another great way 
to help invest in a child, take them to the park, out to eat, on an adventure to the YMCA, pay for swimming lessons or dance lessons, and take them. We had an amazing blessing. The twins could not swim when they got to our house. What do you mean you can't swim? You're 12 years old. Okay, they jump in the pool, sink to the bottom. Mm, Man, they they can't swim. Okay, so now you got to get them. Okay? Can't swim. So we had a, a, a church member say, hey, because um, we were talking about taking them to the Y, paying for swim lessons. Lady at church heard about that and said, hey, I heard, heard you're going to give them, uh, take them for swim lessons. Yeah, you know, they can't swim. We, we, wanna, we want them to learn how to do that. I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to pay for the swim lessons. Really? You're going to pay for the swim lessons? Yeah. We're also going to set it up and we're going to come by and we're going to get them and we're going to take them to each one of those things. Do you realize that them picking them up and taking them was actually the better part of the deal than actually paying for it because things are so crazy hectic? I'd have been like, I'll pay for it. You just pick them up and take them. (laughs) But no, they, they wanted to do both. So that is one way you can get involved. Weighted blankets. Can you sew? Did you know that weighted blankets can help children and help them sleep? That is probably the number one issue of foster kids moving around. I think after about two and a half years, the twins are sleeping somewhat well. Because when they came to our house, all hours of the night, I don't think they ever slept. I think they'd be up all night. And you probably would too if you were somewhere that you just really didn't feel comfortable about. You didn't know if you could trust these people yet. But the weighted blankets help them sleep. What part will you do? That's what you have to ask yourself. What part will you do? And I don't think you have to do everything because you don't. Because you'll go crazy if you do. Do one thing well and you will change a child's life And not only will you change a child's life, you're changing generations to come. You're changing generations to come. Because those kids one day are going to have kids, more than likely. And if we don't break the cycle, it's just going to keep going the same way. You have to start somewhere. I still remember what Dean Wallace said because all these kids were coming into that church. And it's like, where are the parents? And my mindset was, this is not going to work. You, 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 you have to have parents there dealing with their own children so when they go home. And you know what his answer was? His answer was, yes, I totally understand that. But you've got to start somewhere. And that's true. That is true. You have to start somewhere. So if we can start with these kids, then they have kids, and then maybe we can continue to invest in their lives. As, as we walk away from this, just let our hearts be burned, because th- this, is, this is what the church is supposed to do. We are, we are supposed to be a vivid picture of the gospel. And so many years, so many years did, I'm just going to speak for Bryce and I, we ignored this, ignored the crisis that is going on. And, and I think, I, I, I think we, we ignore it at times because we just feel like this is just how the world is. But it's God going, no, no. 
I have, I have created all of this. Because foster care, think about it, foster care has to exist. It has to exist because if it didn't, there is no way in the world God could show that he is the father to the fatherless. If every single parent did exactly what they're supposed to do, he could not be the father to the fathers because they would already have fathers. So in a way, is it a bad thing? Yes. Do I wish it would happen? All this happened? No. But in the same way, in the sovereignty of God, he has moved children to where he wants them to be for first and foremost to hear the gospel. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I, I, I thank you that you brought the twins into our lives to just tear down everything that we did. I thank you first and foremost for adopting me when I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And I'm so thankful that you gave us the opportunity to share the gospel, not knowing if they would ever receive it, but to watch them grow, to watch Lizzie praise your name. No amount of trouble that they could ever give us can take that away. And I thank you for that. I thank you for rescuing them. I thank you for waking us up to this. And Father, I just pray that you continue to work in your church so that we can show the world a vivid picture of the gospel and that you truly are the father to the fatherless. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.